Hey, everybody, it's Steve Mathis. I'm proud to say that insulin for diabetes was invented right there in my home country of Canada. Same great country that brought us Ross, Rollerball Peterson, and, of course, Putin. It was a shocker to me to learn that, on the average, the same insulin in the United States that can be upwards of 10 times more expensive than the same product in Canada. The Prairie Insulin and Meds believes that taking care of your health shouldn't burden you financially. I think we all can agree on that. Uh, we've been able to team up with those guys to get Pulpamex customers an additional 10% off the already low Canadian prices on insulin and all other prescription medications. Check it out. Tell your family and friends. PrairieInsulin.com. Make sure you tell them Pulpamex sent you to get your discount. A Pulpamex Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Renthal on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,500 podcasts delivered with over 15 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. As always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast with Steve Tazanari. Uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Flyracing.com. Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, Justin Brayton. Just a few of the athletes wearing Fly Racing out there. And uh, Trey Kennard, also wearing Fly Racing, testing for Honda. So he's an OG Fly Racing guy. Uh, formula helmet, the kinetic mesh stuff out. Uh, the, formula, the formula helmet. What did I say? Formula? Yeah. Formula helmet, kinetic mesh. Uh, whatever it is, FR5 boots, uh, they've got you covered head to toe. A lot of different lines uh, from ultra lightweight vented stuff to heavier enduro stuff. Flyracing.com has got what you need for gear and uh, a lot of other things on their website as well. Watercraft stuff, uh, jet, uh, snowmobile stuff, mountain bike. Uh, Flyracing.com will have you covered. Great products, great company, and a great foundation of, uh, of a catalog that, for you to choose from. So. Thanks to those guys for coming on board. Also, thank you, uh, Renthal, the undisputed global leader in manufacturing design. Since 1969, Renthal has become notorious for a relentless obsession to detail and quality through their commitment to produce the finest products on the market today. With a history full of innovations in engineering and legendary component reliability, Renthal is universally regarded as the most trusted brand in the pro paddock and the first choice to the world's premier athletes and race teams. Uh, you know Renthal, 7-8's bar, still strong, still, still, still doing good. Fat bar. The latest, greatest thing, Fat Bar 36, I should say. The Fat Bar, the OG Fat Bar. Twin Wall, of course. When they came up with the Twin Wall, it blew everybody's wigs back in the late, late, late 90s. So, Renthal.com for more information on that. Maxxis tires, whether it's light truck tires, UTV tires, mountain bike tires, or motocross tires, like the MXSTs developed by Jeremy McGrath, used by A-Ray in Supercross. I've got a set on my Yamaha right now. Uh, please check out Maxxis.com for more information on that. Uh, fantastic mountain bike tires. The Minion line is is what I use and uh, really love them. So thank you, uh, Maxxis Tires, for coming on board this podcast. And uh, Steve Tazanari, the inventor of the V-Force Reed Block, former factory Suzuki mechanic as well. Really enjoyed talking to Steve and getting in uh, – the genesis of uh, the Reed Block and working for Tishner 
and getting started in the industry back in the day and, and really nice guy. And uh, who knew? The snowmobiles were such a big deal for the folks at V4. So uh, thank you to, uh, to Steve for the time. Thank you, people, for listening. Thanks to uh, Racetech as well. Pulp 20 is a code to save at Racetech. Uh, again, they're great guys. They got motor work. They got suspension work. Give your bike some love, will you? Get your suspension oil rebuilt, changed. Get your motor rebuilt or modified. Show your bike some love, and it'll show you some love, okay? So thanks to the folks at Racetech. Uh, here we go. Here's Steve Tazanari. Thanks for listening. Now, as promised on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by the folks at Renthal and Maxis, former factory Suzuki mechanic and inventor of the V-Force Reed Block, Steve Tazanari. What's up, Steve? How are you, man? I'm good. How are you, Steve? Hey, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Should be fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, how, first off, I guess, with, with what's going on in the pandemic and everything else, uh, lots of industries, a lot of people in the industry that I speak to are doing really well. Some aren't, but a lot are, which is weird because we're in the middle of this pandemic. How's business for you guys? Actually, well, you know, last month it was slow. We weren't shipping to because we do a lot of OE stuff uh-huh. in Europe, motorcycle manufacturers, and that was shut down. So, um, and our big customers in the U.S., Polaris, for instance, for OE stuff, we weren't really scheduled to have a lot for them until this month anyway. Okay. So it was a pretty slow month, we, even though we did online orders sure. and things like that. But um, as soon as uh, we started operations a couple weeks ago again, because we were kind of shut down and there wasn't a lot to do. Right. But we got a whole bunch of big orders from u.s distributors so um we're actually on a path to have a record may so <laughs> it's isn't it weird and you know i talked to the yamaha guy and he told me two strokes and the pit bikes are unbelievably selling unbelievably well the honda guys said they can't get those 110s enough of those 110s steve in this in this pandemic it might actually be a positive for power sports it's incredible well, yeah, I think people are sitting home surfing the net and thinking of things that they need to buy for their bike. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I know, right? Um, <laughs> it's it, it's weird that way. Uh, before we get too far into this, congratulations on the success of this Reed Block. Uh, it's your baby. It's your invention. And, you know, you've got a whole manufacturing plant back east, and you're doing great business. And, man, uh, good work on this thing because I've used it as a privateer mechanic on almost all of my bikes over the years, two-stroke bikes. And... Uh, I worked at Factory Yamaha for a number of years. We used them. Of course, we made it look like it was a stock reed block. But I knew that. Yep, yep. yep. Um, <laughs> did they buy them? I don't even know. We must have bought them, right? I, I don't no, know. I think we just gave them to them. I worked with Bob Oliver oh, okay. pretty closely on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, anyways, this is a this is a modification for a, a two-stroke machine that is unbelievable, and it's uh, it's great. So, congratulations. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. It hasn't, hasn't been all fun and games. There was some <laughs> hard times. <laughs> was it really? Yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into some of that. But um, yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been really good. So um, obviously, when you invented it, and and we'll get into that day, and then the salad days of, of everybody racing two strokes, and your block was on probably I I don't know seventy five percent of the machines on at a pro national. Uh, we've gone to four strokes. Business probably went down, but. I think in the last, say, five, six years, at least for me, talking to Mitch Payton, as far as two-stroke pipe sales, there's been a resurgence of two-strokes uh, five, six years now. Uh, do you find the same thing for your product? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we, uh, you know, for motocross, off-road, off-road use mainly, of course, you know, yep. and the OEs have picked it up for us as well. Um, there's also a lot of Asian bikes. We sell, sell a lot of stuff to Southeast Asia. Okay. For their, they have, you know, bikes that we never see here look like uh-huh. a little 135 Yamaha <laughs> street bike, two-stroke. That takes a single Banshee valve, so um, we have distributors over there that we sell a lot of stuff every month to. Oh, okay. So um, so you never really noticed a big dip? Yeah, you know, it was flat. Yeah. It, it, it didn't go down too badly, just flat, and we didn't see a lot of future in the business. We were, we were just waiting for the bottom to drop out <laughs> eventually, and it, yeah. and it never really has. And then we just picked up more and more OE stuff and got yeah. some more obscure markets put together, and um, it's been been pretty good in this last three years we were up like 20 percent nice. which was yeah. huge yeah yeah peyton peyton says the two-stroke pipe sales are coming back and it's been that way for kind of a growing number of years people are restoring bikes or they're just buying ktms and yamahas and things like that newer two-strokes and and he said it's it's going well for him again yeah, that's, we see the same thing. Right. It's, um, it's more. I think they're more affordable, and they're more. They're kind of interesting bike. If you can fix them, you know, in your garage with a sledgehammer and a chisel, pretty much compared <laughs> to a four-stroke. Yeah, really, right? Um, man, yeah, it's and it is a great product. I've I've told everybody. I don't know how many people I've told across my various platforms who call me and ask me about a YZ250. I'm like, get a Pro Circuit pipe silencer and a V Force. Call it a day. That is all you need for that bike, you know, for most people. Yeah. Uh, it's an it's a great mod. So, um, yeah, we've had good luck with those, for sure. Yeah. The, the YZs are a good line for us. How, and obviously the, and you got into the business of air boots for four strokes, and uh, the Factory yep. Connection guys are one of the teams been using that over the years. How's that for you? Uh, we stopped making it a couple years ago. Okay. Only it, it became, I mean, it worked really well. We had a good rapport with the, the uh, race teams because it was something they could tune. Noticeable increase in performance, throttle response, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Different, And it's patented because we have developed interchangeable velocity stacks. It, um, and it, so it was pretty tunable, and which was another thing that the factories liked, or the race teams liked. Uh, but, you know, it takes so long to develop it, to fit it to a bike, okay. make the tooling, which is outrageously expensive and huge yep. to make a rubber tool. Yep. Um, and then, you know, once you, you've, once you have the new bike, you do your R&D, you do your test, you do your design and fitment, mm-hmm. build the mold. You're talking six months before you can actually get it out when you first got the bike. Yeah, yeah. And then, in a few months later, they come out <laughs> they with a new bike, them. and they change the ignition system location, or they change the shock, and now it doesn't fit. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah I, so, we broke even, but we just stopped doing it because our reed valve business was really picking up with the OEs, right. and uh, it was taken away from that. Uh, and then, how about the snowmobile stuff? Are, are you finding a market for that? Yeah, well, we're OEM and Polaris Snowmobiles. We do we design intakes and manufacture oh. the product for them. Nice, oh, they're two strokes. Sweet. Does yeah. it have their name on it, or is it your name on it? You know, our name's on the valve. Yep. In it, sure. And yep. then some of the limited sleds will have our logo on the sled as well. Oh, okay. Graphics. Oh shit. So you're yeah. Oh, I'm Canadian, so I don't. But I, you think I should know more about <laughs> snowmobiles? But I, I've been down here so yeah. long. Um. Well, that's awesome. That's good. Good news. How. How much of your time 
and this is a problem for a lot of companies in the industry, how much of your time is spent uh, trying to prevent knockoffs, trying to prevent frauds, trying to trying to go after people well, who, you know, I imagine you have patents on this stuff. Oh, we do. We have patents on it, and there is, in Southeast Asia, again, we'll go back there, um, there is a company, one or two, that make, uh, there's one company that makes an exact copy of it. Yeah. It's in, we think it's in China, and we have a patent in China, actually, uh, but, you know, it's... Dude, it's like whack-a-mole, right? Track it, you can't track it down. So yeah. it's almost useless to have a patent in China because you can't track it down. So it, fortunately, we, you know, we, one of our distributors over there in Singapore, I think he sent it to us. Yep. And um, it looks, the packaging, the stickers in the box, everything looks like something we made. Oh. Um, I, we can tell a difference, but yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, the layman isn't going to be able to tell a difference. But I can tell you that the read tension is way wrong. It probably doesn't work very well. <laughs> of course, but right? It looks good. Right. No, I've heard from different companies like it's like whack-a-mole. Uh, you, you put out one and the guy just folds the company, starts a new company, same product. You're just, you can't stop these people from knocking this stuff off. And it's brutal uh, for it's people crazy. you know who spend the time to actually invent something and the R&D and the tech and the money and everything else. It, it's insane. So yep. Um, yep. it's one of those things you guys have to put up with for sure. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, so you're doing OE stuff, and you're and you're you know you're still you got the V Force Four and the V Force Three. Uh, is the three the original one? Like, is that no. way back in the day? We, that was way back when I first started making reed valves yep. uh, with their billet aluminum and a lot of hand massaging by myself uh, to make them fit properly because. Uh, the CNC machines weren't exactly, and I was drawing all these things on paper in yeah, yeah. the machine shop. So, um, and you know, we we're—I was just testing in local, local New England races on local riders, LaRusso and Dowd. They were using this stuff, and a right. few other locals, and um, just getting my feet wet in it. And then I had a company in Idaho, Starting Line Products, which are pretty big in the snowmobile industry. They uh, approached me with uh, making some vowels for them, um, so I did. Well, I had gone to a show, a local show here. It was local. It was in New York. Mm -hmm. The grass drags, which are super popular. Not as much now, but. Um, and I had it. Uh, on, I bought it to show a bunch of the vendors there. Starline was one of them. Uh, PSI yep. was one of them, and a few other companies. And it wasn't long after I was showing it around, Skidoo actually had a knockoff copy exactly of it. They were selling two fair racers. Oh. But, okay. no, maybe I went off on a tangent here. But we. Uh, no, no, so. <laughs> just what comes to my mind. Um, we ended up having building a short run for I couldn't afford to build all the valves that starting line products had ordered. Okay. And so because I didn't have a machine shop, I was a one man shop yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah. And I used a local machine shop in town. And uh so I went to my local bank with my purchase orders. I needed I needed a line of credit so I could get the machine shop started. Yeah. And uh, they, based off of my toolbox and my purchase orders, gave me a $30,000 line of credit. Oh. And that got me started. And so I sold the starting line, and I get some money in, and I didn't have to borrow all the thirty grand. It was pretty good. So I don't think you can do that now with a bank, but it yeah, was pretty yeah. good then. I know, really, right? Like the, like the, in a case like that, 
you know, banks, a bank is your partner. They're like, hey, cool, let's help this guy. Let's do this. This is what we're supposed to do. This is how it works, right? But nowadays it's, yeah, like, nowadays it's like, screw yeah. you, go away. <laughs> well, yeah, they're a lot more skeptical, I think. They've been burned a lot. But yeah. this was just an old school. He was one of the older guys. I think he retired shortly after. Yeah. But um, it was an awesome experience. Okay, so if I get this right then, and we'll, we'll talk, I want to talk to you about the development of the, of the idea and where you got it from and everything else. But the snowmobile stuff is what got you really going. Did I? Yeah. Like, so yes. was it moto? It wasn't. I thought. No. Okay. I totally would have thought it was moto. Snowmobile guys were huge into, are always huge into performance, and everybody yeah. had his dyno. Right. You know, uh, a pretty good dyno eddy current dynamometers, which are pretty good for testing two strokes, really consistent. And um, it was a huge racing industry, oval racing, grass drag racing yep. at the time. Yep. And they wanted anything that could give them the edge. So um, it was, yeah, the snowmobile industry got me off, got us off the ground. We oh, had, okay. um, I mean, it was years. I mean, I don't, I think the V-Force for motorcycles, which I started, and I, that was my love for it, but right. the path to getting it off the ground was through the snowmobile industry. Oh, wow. And I had no idea. I, I would have definitely, I would have thought that everything started in moto and you branched out from there. That's funny. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, what's nice about the snow guys is they're a little more established financially. Right. Uh, they can afford you know, a billet reed valve and at the time it was three of them for most of them sure so, yeah yeah good point. Uh, that's a lot of money for one snowmobile so the first the, the motorcycle guys are kids that you know yeah. basically worked at mcdonald's and didn't have a lot of money so that was a harder nut to crack yeah good point uh so the first one was just aluminum one the first, yep, the first aluminum yeah, aluminum. together yeah yep oh interesting um okay let's let's uh where are you what are you doing when you first have the idea of the boys in rad valve wasn't around yet, but the boys in Reed reads were, which were, you know, a phenomenal success. As I talked to dog about boys and about, um, they were a great improvement over, over the OE reads and they sold eight bajillion of those things throughout the seventies and eighties. Um, and I imagine you as a mechanic, you, you use them too. So you're sitting there, where are you? What are you doing? What do you are in your life when you're like, you know, what if I added, two essentially two read blocks to one read cage like basically um you know where are you what when you come up with that idea okay so there was um actually i was working when i was ronnie's mechanic yeah i was working with i think it was i think i tested some stuff for donnie Emler, he Emler, had his yep. ram valve thing he came yep. out with. Yep. It was basically just a regular reed valve. He had a different stuffer he put in there. I don't think there was anything of real significance different from an OE one. Mm-hmm. Well, I was doing some stuff with that. You know, he gave me a couple to try. Um, and it's just odd. I was looking at a – I was talking to somebody that had uh, – it was a car engine okay. with – Two ports going into the cylinder. <laughs> okay, this yeah. is what sticks in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dawned yeah. On, it dawned on me right then. <laughs> it's like, why can't? So we have more valve area. We got two valves per cylinder head. More valve area. Mm-hmm. Why can't that work with a reed valve? Yeah, million dollar so idea. Boom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, ah, that's cool. So, so you're at Factory Suzuki. You're working for Tishner. We'll get to that and how and all of that. But um. So how do you go about it? How do you, what do you build up? What do you do? For, well, when I worked with Ronnie, I had, you know, some, 
I wasn't supposed to be doing this. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? Heben is Heben won't care anymore. Trust me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was Ron Heben at the time. Right, Slicer. right. Slicer is uh, he won't care. <laughs> uh, so I I just started messing with we we were, uh, did the 250 Supercross and the 250 Nationals and then we stepped down to the 125 because Suzuki didn't have an open bike. Right. So in the 125s, it, we were just given a handful of parts. Um, you know, we could massage, I, I know Jim Felt was massaging the cylinders for Johnny's bike and stuff. And I've become pretty good friends with Jim, and yeah. he was a wealth of information. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, we, uh, I just started thinking, doing that two-port thing idea. Yep. That I, so I started just with the standard reed valve doing two ports in there. And so basically all I did was I took, when I come home, I got some Bondo, mm -hmm. <laughs> mixed it up and filled up the reed cage and reshaped the whole inside of it. Wow. Okay. And mashed it up to my rubber intake boot. And that was the first, that was the start of that it. That was and the then start it of it. from there. Wow. Once my bike would run, it was running really well. I mean, the thing sounded really good. I had, you know, tuning, I love tuning 125s. It was yeah. so much fun. Right, right. Um, so the bike ran really good. And so big Mike LaRocco was on our team and big Mike was his mechanic at yep. the time. He approached me and wanted to know what the heck I was doing on his bike. Because <laughs> the bike's out. Right, right. Every so I made Mike. I made Mike one too, and I told him you can't tell anybody we got this. Oh, that's funny. So he was the only other one that knew, and Ronnie knew that we had that stuff. So okay, so and the Bondo held no problem. All of that, like no. No, issues. it was fine. No, it yeah. worked perfectly. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Wow, that's that's crazy. And and this goes this goes to a time when like I was a factory mechanic, like I said for for KTM and for Yamaha, and it was. Hey, monkey, put this head on. Hey, monkey, put this piston on. And we did it. Back in your day, uh, Cliff's doing cylinders for JMB that Ron Wood isn't getting for Kudrowski. Felt's doing stuff. You're doing stuff. Like, this yeah. is the true mechanic ages of our sport, where you guys are really doing things that not everybody knows, and you're trying to get an edge for your guy. That's funny. Well, it was easier because you had your own box van. Right, right. So you had your own stuff. You got yourself the races. And that's a whole nother story. Holy cow. Um, and working on the bike. But, um, yeah, so you're right. It uh, it was a different time, and there was a lot more. Oh, back, you know, I learned from Felt, because Jim was back in Glover and before, yeah. you know, doing all that stuff. And you were, it was such an infancy of, of the factory guy, and it was so much yeah. uh work that, the, you know, the factory supplied stuff, but there was so much work that the mechanics did try yeah. to improve those stock bikes. So, it, um, it just grew from that. It's just insane. Like, Bale, in 90 Bales winning the 125 title, you're working for Ronnie, and Bale breaks his arm at Washougal. Kudrowski's the guy now. They give Kudrowski Bale's motor, and he starts going on his winning streak, because his motor, yeah. like, like he's got Cliff stuff. And, like, nobody, like, I'm just, like, blown away. Like, no, like, nobody, Dave Arnold, nobody was, like, checking on this stuff, but you guys were just allowed to do it. So, um, right. Yeah. So, for your Bondo reed block, I'm <laughs> guessing you, 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 you had smaller holes, increased velocity, and that's kind of. Yeah, and yeah. the shape. Uh, yeah, I, I tunnel, like, two tunnel pours through it, and I shaped it, and I experimented with the whip at the reed opening. Uh, I have the original one here on my desk right now. Oh, it's do you really? Looking. Yep, oh. yep. Text me a photo. Uh, Text me a photo of that. I would love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I will. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Um, yeah. So uh, one of the one of the on this pandemic for me, I've been reading old cycle news, and uh, uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but 
Ronnie, one of the years Ronnie dropped down, uh, it showed him uh, on the side of the track, and it said, Ron Tishner uh, was riding really well but had a reed valve problem late in the moto. <laughs> so I don't know if that's no, true or if you ever remember. No, okay. I don't, the only, only time I, we had an issue was we had an ignition issue. Okay, all right. So, so it, I, it always worked. This was, this was at Mount Morris, and it failed. It was on a 250. A 125, I don't ever remember having a motor failure ever. Okay. Yeah. Um, it could have, but. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I, I mean, it was cycle it. news, so I don't know. I, but I was, yeah. I was gonna bring up like, did, is that what? Did you ever get busted or like, did anybody find out? No, know, yeah, no, yeah. no. I we never. If, I never had a failure with a reed valve. That, that I mean, yeah. I only remember when the front brake. We had titanium bolts. The front brake caliper came off in Michigan. Uh huh. Broke the bolts. Broke. Yeah. And he's flopping around, going on a track. <laughs> he had to stop, and I had to take some cutters and cut the whole yeah. caliper off because it was flopping around on the front wheel. And the ignition failed in Mount Morris. Mount Morris, you know, the power lines and everything, way down the bottom of the hill, and I had to go down there and push the <laughs> stinking bike back up. Yeah. My bike broke at the farthest point at Southwick one year. Ignition <laughs> ignition failed. And yeah, I was like, really? Yeah. That That's where it broke? Really? All the way back there? <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, so the thing works good. This is uh, uh, this is 90 or 91, I'm guessing, right? Somewhere around yep, there. Yep. Uh, the thing works well. When do you develop the aluminum one? Okay, uh, when I got done at Suzuki at the end of the 90 season, so oh, okay. I worked with Ronnie for 89 and 90, and uh, so maybe Ronnie's reed valve failure was when he was with Tough Racing in 91. Oh, did he, was he, I thought he was a factory, but 91, no, 91 was back on Tough? No, it was, it was, I think it was a Tough Racing then. Yep, number 12, right. Or, or, or he, maybe, no, I don't, he went to Japan a race too, a bunch. Yeah, that so. was after that, yeah, after that. Yeah. And then he yeah. came back like yeah. in the mid-90s and did pretty well again, yeah. 125 Nationals. Yeah. So, oh, so you, okay, so that Suzuki, the original was just a Bondo uh, Tazanari makeup. That was all you had. Yeah, yeah, and I had my idea of a two-reed cage blocked at the time, but I hadn't pursued it yet. Okay. Um, that ended up coming into play when I started, got married in 90, um, started the business in the fall of 1990, on a hope and a prayer, um, and uh, just burned through all the money I saved up starting the business. <laughs> yeah. I built carburetor, went to the local New England races, built carburetor kits while I was working on the reed valve design. You know, right. I had to put food on the table, and I didn't I, I didn't want to go back to construction, what I used to do before that. So, right. um, and uh, so, ended up doing carb kits, just putting 38 millimeter carbs on Suzuki 125s. I made a carb kit up, went to the local race. The first race I went to was uh, Middleborough, Mass., I mm-hmm. think, in New England. And uh, I heard Mike Treadwell's bike out there spitting and sputtering, sounded like crap. So I gave him a carburetor to try. And then I couldn't make them fast enough. Everybody <laughs> wanted one. So that was good. That's got right. the business going. Yeah. Got my name going in the, in, that, in the local area. And then went to doing motor builds and porting and all that stuff. Meanwhile, building the reed valve prototypes. Um, so mm-hmm. the first aluminum ones were, like I said, crude, and they were like 91, okay. I think, uh, yeah. 90, around there, 90, 90, late 90, late 91, I think. And that's Anyways. where you got the uh, LaRusso and Dowdy and those type of guys to start yep, like, trying yep, that, right? Yep, yep, um, Scott Carter was another local kid I started with, begin with, and he started hole shotting, and then yep. LaRusso came to me, then Dowdy came to me. So. <laughs> that's how it works, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how yeah. it works. <laughs> Um, ah, interesting. Yeah, Ronnie told me 
Uh, he's like, yeah, Steve was always fiddling with that thing. He, he, he'd come in and jet it and change it and do this. And then he's like, always. He was constantly working on that thing. And he said, I was a bit of a test mule for him. On that yeah, he was. He yeah. was a guinea pig because I was experimenting all the time. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, how would you make – so you must have made a mold – well, I guess you only had it in that one, one, one year, but you must have made a, a mold to do for Big Mike, right? Like some sort of diameter. Uh, well, no, I just did. Um, you know, I did the same thing I did with mine, and just kind of copied it just by eye. No, oh, okay, with yeah, the yeah. Porting tool, right, yeah. Right. Uh, oh, that's like you do with porting of a cylinder, the same thing. Right. Yeah, and, that, and that's the year. Uh, Ronnie, Larry, Mike all dropped down, and Coop. Coop needed that help to get the title for sure that year. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. It was it was gnarly. Um, yeah, that was good. What? Uh, okay, so let's go in the time machine a little bit here and go back. Uh, growing up, you're you're from the Northeast. Um, are you always into motorcycles? Are, are you racing a lot? Nope. Uh, I started. I wanted to be a herpetologist when I was a kid. You know, study reptiles. So, okay. Um, my brother was big into motorcycles, and he got uh, some. Had a mini bike. Rep Roadster. Um, I had zero interest in motorcycles whatsoever. When I was 15, uh, we went to a camp in southern New Hampshire near where my cousin was, who raced in Duros, who was my age. And we'd just go out, and I'd ride on the back with him on his KS, Kawasaki KS125. And I was hooked. After I did that, we're down there for a month. We rode around. I had so much fun, and I was totally 100% motocross from then on. And that was it? That's all it took? It changed. It was like a light switch. Right, right, right. Um, so did you start? You got a bike and started riding? and, and I did. Yeah. I got a KS125 right. like my cousin had. Oh, okay. And I rode. Yeah, and then I got my next bike. It was a 76 RM125 used, and that's when I started racing. And I've, were, you all, were you always a tinkerer kind of guy? Were you always like a, a guy doing stuff, doing your own work and everything? Well, kind of. Not really. You know, I was creative. I was kind of an artist. I did a lot of painting and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I liked fiddling with stuff. But mechanically, I wasn't, I would say, very, uh, I wasn't that interested in it until mm-hmm. um, my RM, the crankshaft broke. The okay. flywheel broke off. Literally broke, broke the crank. Yeah. So, I had to put a new crank in it. Well, my girlfriend at the time, her father owned a Kawasaki shop. So I went there, and her brother helped me split the cases, put a new crank in it, and we put, I put the bike together, took the engine, put the engine together, took the engine home. The bike was at my house that night, threw it in the frame, and it started up. And I'd never been so gratified in my life. <laughs> it was such a good feeling that I actually took the engine all apart, put it together, and now it runs. Yeah, so, yeah. And then I was hooked on that. So. And that's it. And you're like, hey, how does yep. this thing work? What do we do? What do we got to do? That's right? what I want to do. That's what I thought. Um, when do you meet Ziggy, Rick Zufelder? When do you? Because you guys uh, are buddies, right? <sighs> Yeah, we, you know, we didn't meet until we were racing. Well, I never met him in New England because he's a bit younger than me. Okay. And I was off. I had moved to California in, when I was 24, I think, in 84. I moved to California to work at a bike shop. Oh, okay. So I didn't, I, and, you know, the bike shop was a. Um, this isn't anything but with Ziggy, but the bike shop was in Southern California in Mission Viejo. It was a Honda Kawasaki shop, and I wanted to be a motocross mechanic. Oh, from, were you? I had gone to a Supercross race yeah. in Massachusetts, and I brought my mom with me because she's a massive Jeff Ward fan, and okay. Jeff Ward was racing. Yeah. So um, after I went to that race, I said, 
that's what I want to do. Moved to California. Wow. Worked, worked at a bike shop. Um, and funny thing is, at the bike shop Mission Viejo, Jeff Ward lived in Mission Viejo. Yeah. We had a car wash in the parking lot at the bike shop. And he would come in and wash his practice bike. And Chris Haynes would come in with Lachine's factory bike and wash it. And <laughs> I was too chicken to go out and talk to those guys, but I'd watch No them. way. Really? Wow. That So... Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I mean, I'm from Canada, and I kind of my buddy Shane Drew got started as a mechanic, and, and I kind of oh yeah, I said the same thing where I'm like, I I, I said, I'm not good enough to race pro. I'm a failure at that, but that is what I can do. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's what I want to do, and I I started you know chasing the dream, and, and similar to you, I guess that's a huge deal. Like, how did you even get a a job at Mission Viejo dealership? How did that even work? I well, I worked at a dealership here in New Hampshire, or yeah. I was actually in Vermont, across yeah. the river, and I took vacation time and went to Southern California because that's where I wanted to be. Um, I went to six motorcycle shops in Southern California, um, got a job at five of them, and picked the one that I wanted to work at, and the one I wanted to work at was actually, the service manager was actually from New Hampshire. Oh, shit. So, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. and he, he talked up a good story, and I wanted to work for him, so I did that. Wow, that's crazy! And your parents were like, "Cool." Yeah, your parents were yeah, like, I did "Yeah." That for yeah. yeah, a couple of years, I think I did that, and then um, I applied at DG. They need somebody to jet carburetors. They're going to start doing keying, uh-huh. supporting the keying carburetor, and I did get that job. And I turned it down and took a job at Vance and Hines doing uh, engine work for uh, customers, not race teams. Oh, just okay, customer just stuff. customers. Yeah. What year was that? What year would that have been? That was. 86. Okay, so this is like Eddie Lawson era and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Eddie yeah, Eddie Lawson, Doug yeah. Pullen rode for um, right. Vance and Hines at the time. Of course, um, Vance, Vance and Hines, Terry wasn't racing a lot then, I don't think I, that I can remember. Right. Um, he was around a lot. So you, you must have been but anyway. Yeah, you must have good experience. You must have just been blown away by like seeing uh, Ron Ronnie's eighty RC one twenty five and Wardy at this car wash, and you're just like, holy oh, shit! Yeah, you're yeah. like this is awesome. Fact, <laughs> that factory two fifty, you know, had the super low gas tank yeah. that year, and they had a fuel pump to feed the carburetor. Yeah, yeah, to get the weight down. So it was a cool bike to see. Oh, for sure, right? Totally. Uh oh, wow. So this is a really cool journey then. So yeah, you just left home, and you're like, that's where I gotta be. And were you were you thinking of trying to be a factory motocross mechanic at this time? Yes. Yeah. That's what. Well, that's what I wanted to do. There's a couple things I wanted to do. I wanted to do that, but then, um, you know, Mitch Payton was getting pretty well known at the time, pro circuit yep. back in like '85, '84, '85, '86. Yeah, '86. Um, he uh, he supplied the pipes for RJ, and he said that blew him open. That was what did it for him. Right. Exactly. And I would see the box van around the pro circuit box van, and I said. Eventually, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to have I want to have a pro circuit. Right, right. How do you? Um, you've obviously, you know, you talked about rebuilding your bike, moving to California, and you're working at Vance and Heinz. Now you're grinding on 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 customer stuff. Who teaches you that? Are you kind of figured out on your own? Yeah. Uh, mainly for, for the customer stuff, I was building engines, putting them together at Vance and Heinz. Oh, okay. And tuning, yeah. and you know, and it was all carburetors back then. I did do like. Uh, Kawasaki drag bike that had fuel injection. It was a mechanical fuel injection system we were experimenting with. But um, the uh, and eventually, you know, I got I was pretty good at tuning, and so mm-hmm. I would get the bikes 
that they build a pipe for the street bikes to build a pipe for and they'd have me work up you know a jet kit that would okay. be supplied for yep. the customer ah okay so a lot of time on the dyno a lot of time uh you know, yeah, yeah not a lot of dyno work it was all ride down the road and yeah uh, dyno work for developing the pipe but tuning it we did there wasn't a lot of chassis dyno stuff then it was oh, all okay. engine dyno stuff yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was tough you did it all on the road so I'm cruising down I five at 130. <laughs> yeah, miles I was gonna say like, it. like how do you, you know, like you got to, like what main do you need? Well, I gotta go wide open here to find out what main I need, exactly. right? I yeah. mean, that's kind of yeah. it. That's oh, that's cool. That's kind of a neat job for sure for you. So you're loving it. You're like a a 25 year old kid in SoCal, just loving it. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty fun. Um, all right. So uh, you don't become the next pro circuit, but you do get a job at Factory Suzuki. How does that happen? Um. A guy I worked at, actually, in the shop in Mission Viejo, uh, one of the mechanics there, he was from Wisconsin. He got a job, I don't know how he got it, with Larry Brooks. Okay. And Larry was just coming up, yep. and he was working with him, and he just and he put in my name for to get... You know, some sort of if anybody. I said if anybody needs any any mechanic, yeah. I mean I'll work for free. Yeah, just get me a deal. So he found uh, there was one kid, Craig Canoy, who yeah, ended I remember up, him. He, yeah, yeah. So originally I was supposed to work with him, but somehow his deal fell through. I can't remember exactly what happened. And then Willie Surratt had contacted me, so um, I got a contract and drove out to California and became his mechanic for a year. Oh, wait. I thought you were already in California. How'd you end up back home? No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I had come home. Oh, okay. I had come home briefly and because I got done in my Vance and Hines, and I came home to help my dad in his construction. I missed a whole spot there. I was oh. working with my dad in construction here. Oh, okay. Huh. And... um and then Van, then I got that call from Canoy, mm-hmm. and then Willie Surratt. So I drove back out to California, and that's what I did. And I stayed out there. Uh, well, you don't have you don't need a place to live when you're a factory mechanic when you got your own box van. Yeah, so. yeah, you're just you're just in, right? No, I, I didn't need a place to live then. I, I just I've, cruised. I've told the story a few times. My first five or six years of the circuit, I never had a a place to live. I lived out of a gear bag, and I, in the off season, I would stay with a few friends. And I was, wasn't a factory guy, but I was a privateer mechanic and i just never i never had an address for four or five years just didn't right <laughs> yep um that that was me yes yeah there's no Same way thing. there's no way your buddy from wisconsin lasted with brooks though he was hard on mechanics <laughs> he was hard. yeah i can't remember how that i don't know how he didn't he didn't last for the season for no sure. no yeah. larry yeah. I, I and i worked for larry at chaparral yamaha <laughs> year, so i know him um, <laughs> but he he went through a lot of mechanics i heard uh throughout the years well, um, Willie was Willie was pretty tough. So. Well, was he? Okay, so yeah. uh, what year is this for Willie? Eighty-seven. Oh, is this the year he wins? Yes, we won the oh. Supercross Championship. Oh yep. shit, Steve! Look at you, first year yep. out. You yep. Win, win the 125 Supercross yep. title. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Uh, not a very good bike either, by the way. No, it no. took a lot of work. It was a lot of work um, to make it run. I mean, it was a full reed valve engine. Didn't have that stupid piston port half half reed valve thing. They didn't. Um, I think later on they went to that. I can't remember. Yeah, they had a full reed valve anyways in it in eighty seven, eighty eight. Right, so right, and they made it tune a little better. And uh, was this a factory Suzuki gig or was this a support thing? Yeah, was well, it, for- it was support. Okay. Yeah, they had they had you know uh, Google gaggle of riders. They had Keith Turpin, Ron Tishner, Willie Surratt, right? Um, Vince Devane was sort of there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, 
what? Yeah, I Might forgot about the vein. Yeah, uh, Jeff Frizz was a support guy, and uh, yeah, Hannah, Jeremy Buell. No, he was later. Jeremy Buell, I think, was yeah, later. Yeah, he was later. Uh, O'Mara was on the big team. Hannah, right? Yep. Um, yeah, that's where Bob was super. He was super good to. I really like meeting Bob. He was, of course, an idol of mine when I was a kid, and he was awesome. I was so, going to ask you for some guy. Hannah stories because I'd heard. So Pat Alexander's a manager, I think, at this point? Yes, he was, yeah. Right, right. And then uh, Heben is the manager later. I'd heard, maybe this is around when Denny Stevenson was on the team, Hannah was just disgusted with the kids. He was just so so pissed off all the time with the Suzuki kids. Yeah, there's, they had no work ethic. It was too easy for them. I mean, they just came. They're only 16 years old. They just come around. You know, they've been racing, and that's all they knew pretty much. Right, and right. It's been easy for them. Yeah. And, you know, it was before really people trained. I mean, obviously, Omara was a uh, – he, he was one of the exceptions to rule. He and Bailey, I mean, those guys trained hard. And I'm sure Rick Johnson did too, and, and I know we know Jeff Ward did. Uh, but, you know, a lot of these kids, they came up and – it, everything is so easy to get there for them because they got a factory, they got a box van, they got everything, and they just barely got off the amateurs. So they didn't have the work ethic that Hannah thought they should have, and he was he was tough on them. Now uh, I don't remember Willie doing much outdoors that year. Did he keep riding, or what happened? No, we raced two fifty. He's supposed to race one twenty five. Ended up racing two fifties. Um, I think he finished in the top ten, though. Okay. Or a lot. Only, I don't know if it was overall, but we finished top ten a lot in a lot of the races. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was just, you know, he was just a kid, and it's crazy because that kid, he didn't have to work out. He was, you know, kind of didn't look like he was in shape. Mm -hmm. He looked like he was half awake all the time, <laughs> and when he talked, he's, you know, didn't look like he really. You know, but when he got on a bike, he just—he was like a machine. His ability was what got him where he was. He just had this natural, uncanny ability to ride the bike and know what to do. Yeah, it's crazy. He, uh, yeah, he wins the, I'm pulling it up here, Robert Naughton second, Dean Matson third, Kyle Lewis fourth, Craig fifth that year. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's, uh, oh, that's wow. It, it's kind of Willie. Uh, yeah, you kind of don't really remember his, um, uh, his career that well. You know what I mean? Like it's a it little bit. It didn't last long. Yeah, he it didn't last in, long. He got in trouble. He sued Suzuki because he he thought he was supposed to get uh, more money for winning the championship. So that ended his career with everybody. Oh, is that? Yeah, that's. That. Yeah. And then didn't did he break his back too, or am I getting that mixed up with somebody else? Uh, I don't think. Not that I know of. Okay. Um, uh, so you so eighty eight. What who do you work for in eighty eight? In eighty eight, I don't work for anybody. I got done. Willie got done, so I got done. Yeah. I came home. Again, and actually, I worked for my dad. Again, I was in the office. Design. My dad was a building contractor, and I was designing mainly just foundations and stuff like that. He would design the building. But the funny thing is, the building that we're in in our business now is the only building I designed no. the facade of and, and the foundation. I designed the whole thing. Really? And the structural part of it. Yeah, my yeah, father yeah. did the structural part. Right. But I designed it all, and just... Four and a half or five years ago, we bought this building, and this is, is pretty cool. It's the only building I ever designed. That's hilarious. How funny is that, right? Like, this goes for yeah. 1988, and now you're in it. Um, yeah, so 88, I had the time off, and then um, Ronnie's mechanic, um, Barker, he got killed doing riding in the dunes or something. Ah, uh, yeah, and, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and um, Alan Barker. And uh, Ronnie called me up and asked me, or I don't know, was Ronnie called me? I think maybe Pat Alexander called me and mm -hmm. said, 
cashed over a contract for me, and I went back out and did that for two more years. So you win the title with Surratt. You're, you know, obviously you do a great job. Uh, you know, and this is the days of again jetting the bike, making the suspension adjustments, and, yep. and dealing yep. with with nutcase riders that they all are, and, <laughs> and and you win the title, and then that's it. They don't have a job for you. Nobody has a job for no, you. No, you know, I it's uh, it was funny. Uh, um, you know, and at the time. I was a little burned out. It was a rough road that first year for me. Right. You know, obviously, it was uh, work for free anyways, which I didn't mind, but um, I didn't need to have a place to live or anything. But Yeah. yeah you know, it's funny. Yeah, it, it was odd. That yeah, that's really odd. Nobody offered yeah. up anything until the next year when, they, they, you yeah. know, Ronnie – I get along with Ronnie pretty good prior to that anyways because he was on the team when, when Willie was. Yep, yep. So um, that's you know, and, uh, and it just and Surratt, yeah, Surratt was done, like you said, for for suing them, right? Yeah, he yeah, like nobody yeah. was going to hire him. So, um, wow, that's crazy. I yeah. So you must have been. Were you crushed or you were kind of burnt out, like you said, anyways, right? Yeah, I was a little burnt out. You yeah. know, it was um, a mental. <laughs> It was pretty rough. <laughs> uh, you know, I enjoyed the working on the bike stuff, but, yeah, you yeah. know, when the rider's your boss, it was rough. Yeah. Um, yes. And uh, it, it, so it was a struggle, and it was a relief when it was over. But, you know, I but I, I still loved that aspect, the tuning and being at the races and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I didn't like any games, the mind stuff, or any of that stuff. Well, I especially, just... like, the, you sound like you have a tremendous amount of passion for the sport. You move all the way across the country. You work at dealerships. You, you know, you're, are, you're starstruck at Jeff Ward. Here you here you are. You make it. You, your guy wins a championship, which is phenomenal, and then you're out. Like, that. you got to be a little bitter almost. Yeah, you're just like, wow, this, <laughs> yeah. this sucks. Yeah, you know, I, I don't remember that feeling bitter. Um, I, I was, I think it was, again, it was a relief. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was, yeah. ooh, okay, I made it through, <laughs> won the championship, awesome. Right, right. Now, now I'll wait and see if something comes up. You know, I was, you know, I was still had my feelers out. But, yeah, yeah. And out of the blue, Pat called me and yeah. said, "Do you want to work with Ronnie?" Of course, I. I love Ronnie. I'd love to work with him. Yeah. So Ronnie wins the title in '87 on the other coast. Um, yeah. And uh, and then moves to 250s. Bikes a lot better when you're second time around at Suzuki. That '89 was was decent. Yeah, that was a whole new chassis and yeah. engine and everything. That was a good bike. Right. And uh, I still talk about how O'Mara could have won Anaheim 1 that year. and if it's, it's Triple clamp broke. Yeah, crazy, right? Um, yep. Which you, how often do you see that, right? A, a, a steering stamp. Not right? fair. Yeah. You know, there were works, magnesium clamps. Right. Like maybe they were aluminum, but, you know, right. whatever. They were maybe it had too much. I don't know how much time was on that, if it was a brand new one or what. But So um, your, your time with Tishner is much more enjoyable. I'm taking it. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've always liked Ronnie. I got to know him through uh, through Red Dog, through Ferry. When I worked for Timmy, he he taught Timmy a lot, and uh, obviously they they kind of interlapped a little bit. Um, I've always his style was good. He had a good style. Uh, really nice dude. Um, probably needed to train a bit more looking back. But man, yeah. he was really good. Yeah, exactly. You know, he was he was again a really he's a really talented rider, really talented rider. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and you had on the team at the time when I was there, he was Buddy Antonez and um, Denny Stevenson, and they were hanging out with uh, Jeff Matasevich, and you know, nothing good comes of that. But, um, <laughs> oh, the ch- the chicken, yeah, chicken drags you down. <laughs> yeah. um, and Swink, Swink was in that mix too yeah. around then. Yeah. Um, no, I I agree. It. Uh, 
Miami 89, my first ever Supercross as a, as a live in person as a kid from Canada. My dad and I drove down to go ride at Kroom in Florida. And uh, Ronnie led that Miami thing for, what, 12, 13 laps? Yeah. yeah. And then Ray, and I'm in the pits with the board, and I'm putting up the board. He was doing the only one doing the triple with That's all right. the lats in it. Yeah, yeah. I had on the board, don't do triple. Even Johnson, who's behind him, isn't doing the triple. Um, and and Ray Covington have just walked by me. He was he was uh, a Kiel's mechanic. Yeah. He says, "Wow, Ronnie's got this," and I'm going, "Oh crap! Don't say that! <laughs> don't say that!" And uh, I put my I got my board already. Don't do triple. And what's he do? He hits the cross ruts and goes off the track oh, on the triple. I was yeah. like, ah, damn it. So that ruined that. Uh, it was white sand, uh, too. Remember how the white sand? Oh, was, that was, yeah, yeah it was Dude. kind of eerie looking. Uh, no, for sure. Uh, yeah, what lap is that? Is that even later than... Matter it was thinking? pretty late in the race, yeah. It was more, it was probably, I'd say, three quarters of the race was done. Yeah, man, he was gone. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. he had a big lead, right. big lead. Uh, he gets fourth in 250 Nationals in eighty in 89. Good good ride. Seventh in Supercross yep. and ninth in 90, uh, both things. I, I, You know, he's fine. Like, he's, again, I think, and I've done so many of these podcasts, Steve, with so many guys, and, again, if you weren't on a Honda, you weren't on the best bike, um, a lot of these guys got chances and this disappeared because whatever, you know, Suzuki recycled through guys, Yamaha recycled through guys. I, I just felt like Ronnie deserved another shot with another team, but that was it for him, you know? I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was. And and when, before I got done, before we were done in 90, I had contacted KTM in Europe okay. to see if Ronnie and they were interested in Ronnie coming out and actually trying out for the with the World GP team. Oh, was but it? Yeah, yeah. He didn't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. He he yeah, kind of. Like, thankfully, he got you know. I think he made a lot of money in Japan those few years, so that's really good. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad to see him do yep. that. But I always thought he got the short shaft a little bit. I mean, top ten in two fifties and in both series in ninety and and uh, top ten in again in eighty nine. His rookie year, pretty good. So yeah, I think he probably deserves you know another go with the factories. I, I don't, you know I'm not sure what the thinking right. there was. Or I you know I really haven't figured them out. Yet, are you uh, who are you palling around with? Who are you driving around with these days? Like that? Uh, like, Danny Betley. Oh, okay, Danny. Uh, Mike, Mike Chavez, who was Damon Bradshaw's mechanic. Yeah, Chavez. Um, yeah. Steve Butler. Oh, okay. Who yeah. was Dubox mechanic? Yeah. We travel a lot, and Jim Felt. And well, felt yeah. In in ninety Jim felt um in eighty nine Jim felt in ninety he wasn't there, but yeah, ninety Omero went to Cowie. Yeah. But um yeah. I've tried to do one of these with Jim. He j I can't get him on the phone. He just won but yeah, super yeah. interesting, super smart guy. He so. was he took me under his wing and so we palled around a lot in eighty nine. He was super helpful, super nice. Um I learned a ton and he was a great influence. So how many times is Ronnie test for you for this new read block back then like is it uh, is it a lot yeah well i when he during after we were done on the team you mean no i meant like uh like that that fall of whatever year that was 125 like is he is he trying this thing oh, a lot oh we're racing with it yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's in the bike yeah we're testing and i'm making different variations <laughs> and messing with jetting we had we had these magnesium carburetors that were we had multiple different sizes only Jim Felt and I were using them. Everybody else is using the stock or a 38 
millimeter carburetor or production one. But these magnesium ones are the precursor to the new Makunis they have, okay. newer ones they have now. Yeah. And they were pretty cool. Um, they took some work to get dialed in, but when you got them dialed in, you figured them out. They worked really well. So I was, you know, having fun dealing with that new carburetor and working with the reed valve, and we yeah. found a pretty good combination. The bike ran really good. I didn't know there was magnesium carbs back then. That's interesting. I thought, they came, I thought they came later. Yeah. And then we won. He won at Steel City one year mm-hmm. uh, in the 125, won a moto, uh, which was good. I mean, I thought he should have won more motos, uh, and I think a lot of it maybe was conditioning. Yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. Well, I think, too, like when you look at the guy, even Bradshaw, I mean, Bradshaw was, was awesome. And then when he had to ride the 125 Nationals one year because Yamaha, you know, pulled out of the, out of the, uh, out of the big bikes, like yep. his results were like, you know, 7 to 8, 9, 10, 12. And mm-hmm. I think. For the riders, they weren't motivated, right? And I think that went to the Suzuki guys too. Like, what am I doing jumping in this thing on a bike that you know I don't really ride, and I'm, I got to ride half the series? Like, I just don't know. It's if it, probably not know? a fully developed bike for you either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to see Bradshaw struggle. I mean, the, the early mm. ninety Yamahas weren't very good either. But um, no, yeah, basically a know, production bike. Yeah, yeah. You just you just think to yourself, how motivated can these guys be to be out there? You know jumping in halfway through a series so right. um do you remember instructions to to let coop go nope i don't remember i never heard of it you know maybe they told said something to ronnie but i yeah. never heard anybody you know never tell us to uh well you know obviously we knew not to get in his way yeah uh to make it difficult you know don't take cooper out but right right um so at the end of 91, Ronnie loses his ride, and you, you decide that's it for your, that's factory life is over? Yeah. I had gotten married, Okay. and Ronnie was uh, in my wedding, and um, we, uh, I, I, was, I was ready to, you know, I did what I wanted to do, I want to be a factory mechanic, now I want to do what Mitch Payton is doing. He okay. was, Mitch yeah. Payton at the time was my idol yeah. for his doing that sort of thing, so I wanted to be a, you know, do something like him. Yep. And, and it morphed into the reed valve. I didn't intend it to. I intended to do motors and mm-hmm. maybe even build pipes, you know, do the same thing he was doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it morphed into the reed valve, and it got, you know, it got to be a pretty good business. <laughs> yeah, so it's, again, uh, your million-dollar idea of you sitting there looking at that car motor. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how things are done, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Now, Berluti, Tony Berluti is a buddy of mine. He was your teammate in 90 there, um, yeah. uh, working for Bud Man, and, and he lives in Vegas here, and I see him a lot. And I was joking with him because, uh, like, obviously, you spoke about Bob Oliver earlier. Bob had that YZ250 just down, right? Like, he could do a cylinder in, like, something like seven minutes, and here you go. <laughs> and this thing, Jeremy won 8 million races on it. Chad won 8 million races on it. And, the, the you know, our two-stroke package at Yamaha was pretty good. So I was asking Berluti, like, what was it like for you? And he's like, dude, they'd give you a couple cylinders from Japan. Here you go. Here's A and here's B. Uh, do you remember mm-hmm. it that way? Do you remember a little bit, oh, like, yeah. not quite being, oh, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's why we were doing our own stuff, you know. Right. That's why you see I'd go over to Jim Feltz's band, and he's got the, he's grinding away on the cylinder. And um, so I was, I said, oh, we can do that. So there yeah. we go. So we're doing that. Yeah. Um, and we had different pipes, A, you know, H and L. Yeah, for high and low. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy to me that there wouldn't. And, and there was an yeah. M too for the mid. <laughs> mid. Uh, so you decide which pipe you want to try. You know, I didn't do any cutting up on pipes and shorten them up because that's too obvious. But yeah, yeah. Um, but the motor, internal motor stuff that you could keep to yourself, we definitely did stuff too. Yeah, it's crazy to me that a factory team just kind of had that. Like, 
you know, I mean, I've been on them and we tested a ton with with everything. And, um, you know, and you see the Honda guys, you know, you talk about the Honda guys, they would come up with stuff all the time. Right. Um, I just, yeah, crazy that, that, that that's how kind of, I don't want to say Mickey Mouse, but looking back on it, you're like, there wasn't more. And Baluti's like, no, nah, that was it. That was it. Right. So, um, so you were, okay, so yeah, you got married, and, and that was it for you. Three years as a factory mechanic, and, and you were done, and this uh, now, yep. you, now you started. So. Yep, and then, um, you know, just and the, the, the connections I made, you know, with the guys I worked with, because the guys I worked with moved up through the ranks. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, um, Danny Bentley, you know, became Honda team manager. He was heading over technical director for a while yep. um he took uh phil uh cliff white's place mm-hmm. and um you know i remember one conversation i have with cliff white when i initial had the revalve we we're molding them now so we had a, a molded re cage it was a unique design the v-force delta we called okay. it um and it had rub over molding and i remember saying to cliff once Getting them on the phone, you know. If if I had a valve that you guys tested and you guys really liked it, would yeah. you guys run it? And uh-huh. He said no. Honda <laughs> wouldn't run it. Right. Um, so I had sent them a V Force two later on, just just to send it to them. Yeah. And you know, and a few months later, I got a phone call from Cliff, and he says, "Hey, um, we we tested your valve, and we'd like to run it." So. That was man. Talk about excitement! Honda running, yeah, an aftermarket product. Uh huh. What year so was we this? Were Car- we were in Carmichael's bike for his un- undefeated season for a year or two. Yeah, yeah. So like oh oh two oh one right? Whatever that year. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, right. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um. Yep. Oh, I was going to ask you. So you talked about you know the sort of the breakthrough of the of the product itself in Moto. What's your breakthrough? Is that it, or is it before? It's got to be before then. That thing was yeah. yeah. Um, like, what's your break? What, what do you? How do you? Where do you remember taking off? I mean, MXA testing well, it or something? Or I'm trying to think. We did the the real first factory team was um, with the Suzuki off road team. Okay, I think Mike, Mike Webb. Mike Webb. We I flew out there. Mike what? Because I knew him, Charles Halcom was on, with Suzuki at the time, or okay. before that, when I was there. He was friends with Mike, the Webbs, Mike and Tom Webb. So um, somehow we got out, and they wanted to try the valve. So they flew me out, and mm-hmm. I tested with um, Rodney Smith. Okay. And Paul Edmondson was on the team. I think Randy Hatch. Oh, yeah. Steve, Steve Hatch and Randy, Randy Hawkins. Hawkins. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Randy. Yeah. Steve Hatch and Randy Hawkins, yeah. And uh, those guys, so I went and tested with two of them. I was uh, Paul Edmondson for sure, as mm-hmm. I remember, and was blown away by his riding ability. Oh, yeah. Because he was a trials yep. rider. Yep, trials. And he would he would do stuff on a motorcycle I'd never seen. It was <laughs> impressive. But anyways, we went and tested with them, and they used it for years, several years, through okay. the various versions, V-Force. The first V-Force Delta, they the ones that started with it first. And then um, later on, Roger DeCoster contacted me. He was team manager of Suzuki at the time. So I went out again 
with, and this was the V-Force Delta still. So after yeah. the, the off-road team started using it, Roger contacted me to try it with the motocross team. Mm-hmm. So we went out and we tested with Greg Alberton at their Supercross track. Went through a bunch of iterations and settled on something, and that's kind of got it going there for motocross. And then from there, it just started to really grow. Yeah, your first version, if I remember right, was a little bulkier, a little thicker, huh? Uh, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah, the first kind yeah. of, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so again... For you, though, when you talk about go through different iterations and stuff, I mean, don't you just bring one block out, or do you have different blocks and inserts and stuff? I, I have, well, at the time, we had, you know, the, the block that would fit the bike, yep. and I had a bunch of different reed pedal combinations ah, okay, yeah, that yeah. I was trying. Right, right, right. Interesting. So I had a, too many things to test for them, and they weren't willing to test everything I wanted to throw at them. So, <laughs> so, so you get on Factory Suzuki is kind of when, you, you know, that starts taking off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yes, the, the moto exactly. end of things, and then getting on Carmichael's yeah. bike. That's so, isn't that so a factory team where you're like, hey, Cliff, if this thing works better, and you're like thinking it will because it works better, we mm-hmm. know this, uh, would you use it? And, and they just go, no. No, because there are politics involved, right? So Exactly. Yeah. But it changed, and yeah. then, then we were in, you know, um, I would say – and I can't remember what year it was now, but there was time when our V-Force 2 was out. And FMF had a motocross team. Everybody had a motocross team. Yep. You know, Honda of Troy or Yamaha yeah. of Troy. And, um, but our revolve was in every satellite team, every factory team, except for Boysen's team. Oh, really, huh? Was it yeah. really? Wow. You yeah. had a, and so good, the good thing is you're getting exposure. The bad thing is you're giving away a lot of product. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that too. But, yeah, it was awesome exposure. Yeah. Um, it's it perfect. Did you ever read any magazine reviews uh, back then that just made you shake your head where you're just like, what are these guys talking about? Like, I know. Um, regarding our product? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, usually they were pretty positive. Right, I don't right. remember one. I mean, they say something that was like, that's not what I say when I test. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, you know, nothing really negative. They seem fairly positive. And, again, I get to factory Yamaha in 03, and uh, I'm pulling apart my motor for the first time, and, and – there's a, there's a V-Force right in there. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look at that. <laughs> I, I, you know, like it was stock, stock manifold and everything and all that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. who, who knew? Yeah. Um, you know, so it's one of those things where yeah, who Bob knows? Wouldn't let us, Yamaha wouldn't let us yeah. advertise the fact that Jeremy was using our read valve even though it didn't look it. Right. Even yeah. though he had, you know, I don't know if I should say this, even though he's doing an ad for Boysen with a rad valve on his seat. I remember was he? That. Oh, I, said, I don't remember that. He's got my V-Force in there. That's that was Chaparral, but Damron probably made some deal with uh, with Boysen for selling them or something. So, uh, uh, wow, that's interesting. And, and then you're off, and then that's it. That's the your business the business that you're building now. Yeah. Then so. it really, you know, between snowmobiles, which were huge, yeah, it's still snowmobiles outpaced motorcycles for a long time, and then eventually um, it came around. The motorcycles are our bigger business. Oh, so see, that's what I'm learning with this podcast, Steve. Is that I just thought you dabbled in the snowmobiles, and it was all a moto, and, and here to find out mm. snowmobiles is what broke you, and snowmobiles had the majority of your business for a long time. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, because, you know, you got two and three per customer, yeah, yeah, and, right. and everybody wants to go faster. Um, and, they are, again, they have a more well-heeled wallet, being an older group generally. Yeah, so yeah. Um, they, they'll pay whatever it takes, and a lot of them want to be able to put the reed valve in and not, and but make it so that it doesn't look like it's in there, so their buddies don't know they have it. <laughs> and in, and in the, in the in the grass drags or whatever they kick oh, out. Yeah, yeah. Ice, yeah. you know, going across the lake, you know, just right. the ego thing that that their sleds faster, and they so, don't want their buddy to know why. 
So the EFI KTM's coming out for for that. That that kind of affects your business a little bit, huh? Actually, no. No. Um, EFI still needs a reed valve, so. Uh, yeah, but I was thinking it might need a different one, or no? Doesn't it the same thing? Well, for what, what happened with KTM is. Uh, we we had a we were in KTM with a V Force two. Yep. I mean, we were in KTM for like fifteen years, and the big bikes we're still on the mini bikes. We still make the reed valve for the fifties and the sixty fives and the eighty fives. Um, but KTM got a new purchaser and um, decided that they're paying too much for reed valves. Oh, so okay. they and after twelve or fifteen years with them and their big bikes, they decided that we uh, were charging them too much and. We haven't changed the price since we started, oh. and our, our costs have gone up. Yeah, but yeah. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> another tangent. Anyways, <laughs> so anyways, they made exact what they made an exact copy of the V Force Two that we don't have a patent on for that. Oh. So it's a, the Reed valve is in the current model big bikes is okay. a copy of our old valve. Oh, okay, um, but. Uh, they initially had some issues with it. And the reason why we stopped making it because we had those issues, issues. too. <laughs> um, and uh, so we struggled. We built our new V Force 4R with a rubber over molded cage, okay. and it definitely performs really well, yep. lot, you know, better than stock. Right. And um, and our sales when we first came out with that for all the KTM's and Huskies was awesome. Right, right. Kind of like Yamaha used to came, come with pro taper bars, and then I what I heard. Is they just went to the direct factory and now they have pro taper bars with a pro taper logo and they're like, sweet, we save money, you know, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. which sucks, but I get it. Um, yeah. So, uh, oh yeah. So I thought the EFI two stroke had a different. I know it had a ray valve, but I thought there was differences, uh, but I didn't realize it was the same thing, so I didn't know that. It's um, a V force copy, yeah, exactly. Yeah. V force um, two copy. How much? So obviously, like Yamahas haven't changed forever, and the the, the mm-hmm. 80s and stuff are the same. Are you still uh, getting on a dyno once in a while, though, Steve, and still trying to tweak the thing oh, a little bit? Oh, we're always testing. We just we have an engine dyno that we just we're just putting in right now a chassis dyno because of the fuel injection bikes. Yep. I've always been a stickler for consistency, repeatability, right. and eliminate as many variables as possible. So a chassis dyno, there's a lot of variables, and I like doing my development and testing on an engine dyno because there's a lot less variables. Yeah, I, You're not I, worried about, you know, chain, air pressure, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but with a fuel injection, um, it becomes more difficult. You need to really set the whole thing up exactly like it is on a motorcycle. And it's a lot more difficult and time-consuming. So when we're testing a bike like this fall, mm-hmm. I decided we're getting a chassis dyno. We were testing the new 2020 fuel-injected Huskies and KTMs. Uh, yep. And we had a 150 and a 300 we're testing with the new reed valve. Coming up with some new reed materials that we'll be introducing sometime down the road here um, that really improve performance. So we... Um, and I wanted to get it on the dyno, but you know, we got looking at it. it's going to take me a stinking week to fixture it up and get it all set up there, so it's yeah, exactly yeah. like it's going to be on the bike. Right, right. Um, boy, chassis dyno would be nice because I could test on the dyno and see what the test riders are see- feeling yeah, on the track yeah. in the same day. So we're installing a chassis dyno as we speak. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on a dyno. Red Dog got hurt a bunch at Yamaha, and I spent a lot of time dynoing, and and I was shocked. And I always laugh when people said, "Oh, well, on this." This bike is this much horsepower, and I'm like, yeah, but if you don't have the air conditions of on this in this particular dyno and the air pressure and everything else, 
You're, you're apples to oranges. Don't tell me what that dino does. You need to do everything on the same day on the same dino. That's how you it, it really know, you know? Yeah, it doesn't matter what another – I don't care what other people see for horsepower. I'm not comparing right. to their, their dino. Yeah. I want to know – I don't care what my horsepower is I'm reading. As long as it's the same dino and it's consistent, I have my air pressure, yeah. the air temperature. Yep. You know, you have your – you have cal- – we, we pull air from our shop, which is air-conditioned, mm-hmm. 72 degrees, low humidity, yep. for the air in the engine to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So – Yeah, all that it, makes a you know, difference. Yeah. Oh, it's huge because we have winter time here. You know, it could be below, below <laughs> zero, and right. that's different, totally different air than the actual yeah. bike's ever going to see. And then in the middle of summer, it's extremely yeah. hot and humid. So, you, you know, you're just – there's too many yeah. variables you're throwing at yeah. it. So we just pull air from the shop that's already, already conditioned. I remember one time I was doing it, and, and Bob was watching me, or Bob came by, and I was working the, the, the chassis dyno, and he's like, hey, you're sitting in a different spot on the seat, that, that run. Yes. You know, and I'm like, oh, I was? And he's like, yes, you have you – don't do that. Sit in the same yeah. spot, you know, uh, all of that. It really makes a difference when you're, when you're looking at yeah. dyno charts. So, yeah. That is the problem with the chassis dyno. That's why I've always right. been a, not a fan of it, but yeah. it's come to the point where we're going to have – for ease of expediency, yes, we're going to yeah. have to do it. And just figure out a way to, you know, to set it up so that we can be as consistent as possible. I actually want to be able to set it up with a, without a rider on it and mm-hmm. just put it in the gear we want and yep. have a throttle controller to run the throttle like we did on our chassis, our engine yeah, dyno. Yeah, the engine dyno, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. interesting. Um, so you don't have any riders making mistakes or doing something a little bit different. No, exactly right. You want to you want to maintain consistency to to put out the best product for sure. So, uh, well, I, as I said in the beginning, and and not blowing smoke up your ass, the it's a fantastic product. It improves every single two stroke performance across the board. I don't know anything about snowmobiles, but I'm guessing it's great there. But for motocross, <laughs> yeah. I can't recommend your valve enough. Um, in my experience as, as a mechanic over the years and, and people who have bought them, people I've recommended it to, uh, again, what, what an idea. So, um, man, thanks for doing this, Steve. Hey, awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. It was uh, fun. Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis and uh, the folks at Renthal. Hey, and remember, you said you didn't really like want to talk about yourself too much when we started, uh, but you did a great job. Thank you for all the memories. Okay, like, good. You know, thanks. Yeah, appreciate you're, it. You're, uh, you really remember a lot. So thanks for the time, Steve. I appreciate it, man. All right, Steve. Thank you. I'll talk to you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that's the 
statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did, everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.